what I'm trying to do, I'm hoping to do, is to learn each week a sicha, not necessarily on the Pasha, although last week's sicha was Noyach, this sicha is Lech Lecha, but next week's sicha is also going to be Lech Lecha. We're, we're using a variety of sichas of the Rebbe to compile the commentary of the Rebbe on the life and time of the Ovis and their relationship with us. In other words, to journey through from his early life, his middle life, his later life, the Yitzchak, the Yankat, the Mishvatim, and to see how their lives are not just stories, but they're the foundations of the creation of the Jewish people. Now last week's class was Chelek Chof Noyach. It was a sicha about the idea that Avraham Avinu's foundation was his mind. Avraham Avinu graduated from his mind to his soul. Which means, in other words, from a non-Jew to a Jew. But the idea that for many, many, many years the tool Avraham had at his disposal in his search for the truth and his ultimate discovery of God Almighty was only his mind. His seichel. And uh, we qualified it, the Rebbe qualified it based on a Rambam, and the idea that one of the steps in being a Jew is the intellectual step you have to understand. And then, of course, the later argument of the Sikha was, but it's not enough, because it's unsustainable. If you continue to be Jewish intellectually, you will fall. You have to go past it. Avraham Avinu was the first, it started out intellectually, and then it, you've got to transcend, you have to go to a level of faith. And if you stay in the intellectual realm, it's, your religious life will simply fade. It will go back. And the proof is what happened to the Jewish people in Egypt. This was last week's class. So in, in the scheme of what I intend to do with Hashem's help over the next weeks, it's the idea that the beginning of the Jewish people is a human being using his mind. Nothing more, nothing less. And I've shared the following with my students so many times over the years. Um, there's an idea which I came up with, which I thought, that I think is pretty correct, even though I came up with it. Yeah, It may, it may say in Svarim, but I've never seen it. There's a Gemara which is very strange, truly very strange. The Gemara discusses Job, Iyev, and asks the question, who was Iyev and when did he live? Now, parenthetically, there's another Gemara, which completely contradicts the first Gemara on the surface, that says that the book of Job was written by Moshe Rabbeinu. There's a Gemara of Abbasah that says the book of Eve is the oldest Sefer Tanakh written by Moshe Rabbeinu. If you've ever studied Eve, you can understand why. Eve is very full of allegory. And all the wackiest uh, mythological ideas that appear no place else in Tanakh the dragons and the serpents and all those wacky things are all in Eve. The form is very ancient and very, very mythological. It's different than other Svarim. It's far more uh, cryptic and mystical and mythological than other Sefer of Tanakh. And it, it, it almost seems reasonable that this was written in a different type than all the rest of the Svarim of Tanakh. The Gemara says written by Meishar Abedin. And here comes the problem. The Gemara in Baba Basra, in the same Patek, a few pages later, asks the question who Eve was and gives six opinions. Number one, a person who lived in the times of Avram Avinu. Number two, a person who lived in the times of Yankiv Avinu. Number three, a person who lived in the times the Jewish people left Egypt. 
Number four, a person lived in times of King David. And number five, a person lived in the time of the destruction of the first base on Mikdash. And number six, there was no such person. <laughs> That's all a metaphor. Now, if you believe, as we do, that Elo Elo David Elakim Chayim, these and these are the words of the living God, now how is that possible? How could he have lived at point A, point B, C, D, and E, and not at all? Doesn't make any sense. And I have a very simple solution to the problem. Eve is not a person, he's an idea. What's the idea? A human being who uses his mind to do what Avraham Avinu did. Simple as that. Who was Avraham Avinu? He was a man who essentially discovered God. But after discovering God, God discovered him and made him the father of his nation. Eve means failed attempts. Other perspectives of Avraham's. This is what the Gemara Bababasa says. In other words, Avraham Avinu was very, very special. He was unbelievably idealistic. He looked for the truth of God. He found the truth of God at the cost of his life, literally and figuratively. He wasn't the only one. There were others. Others. And the Gemara says, we know historically of five. There was a person who lived at the same time of Avraham Avinu who was an Eev. That means to say he didn't think about wealth and power and materialism. He wanted God. And there was one who lived in times of Esav Harosh. One of the personalities in the book of Eve is Eliphaz. And there are opinions in the Gemara say that Eliphaz was Esav's son. You know that? Eliphaz, I think he's called. Eliphaz, something else, is one of Esav's children. Eliphaz? He was, he was a son of Esav, who was a pretty bad guy. But as actually says in Chumash, he was raised in Yitzchak Avinu's home. So he had uh, piety. And he's one of the people who comes to console Eve when he has all of his losses. And there was another Eve in the times of Meshach Rabbeinu, another Eve in the times of David and Shleimeh, another Eve in the times of Yirmiyah. It's not a contradiction, because Eve is not one person, it's one model, one prototype. And then when the Gemara says, the Gemara is simply saying, the specific description of Eve, that he lived 70 years, and then he lived another, another 70, and 70 after that, for a total of 210, and he had so many children, and so many ships, and so many this and that and the other thing, that never happened. Which means to say, these, con- these opinions are conflicted. They're all true. <coughs> there were many Eves, but never one exactly that Taylor describes. So there were, in other words, there, there may be an Eve alive today. A guy who has an incredible mind, who wants Emmis, and he looks for it, looks for it, looks for it, looks for it. The, the real subtext, the real hidden idea behind the book of Eve is the question, can the identity of the Jewish people be challenged? Will there be another Abraham? And if there will, will God say, you know what, I don't like the Jews, I'm starting again. And as the, the Gemara says, that the Satan tells God, I guarantee you, there will not be another Abraham. <laughs> That's the story. So many people try. But the number of tests that Avraham Avinu had and survived, the Satan himself, says Hashem, test him. There will never be another Abraham. And as the book of Eve goes, in fact, there wasn't another Abraham. What I'm trying to illustrate from this is, Avraham Avinu was Eve. How was he Eve? He was a human being, lived on earth, and he also happened to be well-to-do, he was rich, who looked for the truth. And he looked, 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 and he evolved from Eve into Abraham. Because after all of his intellectual search, as I told you last week, he became a prophet. 
Then he became someone, a servant of God. And then he was circumcised. And finally he was prepared to sacrifice his whole life in killing his own son at that case, Yitzchak. And this was the graduation of Avraham Avinu. But he started out as an Eev, as a Goy, who, who didn't use his mind to earn money and have power and be cynical, but he used his mind to ask the hard questions. Where did this world come from? Is there a God? Should I serve Him? What does He want from me? And so forth. This was last week's class. It's the first building block. Today we move on to something different. And the something different is as follows. And I, I'll, I'll preface and I'll put this as an introduction. When we talk about Yiddishkeit, I hate the word religion. I really do. The reason I hate the word religion is because the idea of bunching Islam, Christianity, Buddhism, Hinduism, uh, whatever the Rafsatinian religion and all the rest, and Lahavla El of and putting them any near, anywhere near what we call Dasa Ms, the religion of truth, just turns my stomach. I don't speak of religion. I speak of Judaism, because Judaism is true. I'm sorry if that offends you, but that's just the way it is. But in the world, where uh, people are much more, what's the word, opinionated and subjective about, quote, religion, end quote, one of the serious uh, categorizations, divisions, or stereotypes that is so frequently present in the culture is the question of personal religion versus organized religion. Organized religion is a very, very, very bad word. Like really, really bad. You know why people suffer? Because of organized religion. You know why there's hunger in Africa and in Asia? Because of organized religion. Do you know why there was a Holocaust? Because of organized religion. Do you know why the uh, bill to healthcare is not passing? Organized religion. Organized religion is probably everything. Finished. Okay. It's just very, it's a great scapegoat. <laughs> I always ask people, what's the opposite of organized religion? Disorganized religion? The answer you're supposed to give is personal religion. But is personal religion religion? If I create a God, and if I decide what God wants from me, so who am I worshipping? But this, this conflict exists. And for the purposes of this discussion, we are going to say the following. Avraham, Yitzchak, Yankev, Reuven, Shimon, Levi, Yehudi, Yisachar, Zavon, Don, Aftal, God, Asher, Yisab, Yamin, Dina, Serach, Pasasher, and whoever else I'm missing, practice personal religion. The worship of God that they had and the relationship with it was very, very individual, very personal. That means two things. Number one, they didn't necessarily do the rituals as we do them. They did meditative things that represent the mitzvahs, but they did things in a very, very different way, and they didn't necessarily all do it the same way. Avraham Avinu may have done tefillin one way, Yitzhak differently, with something very, very personal about it. Moreover, if they fail to keep religion, they stopped being Jewish. It was as simple as that. You were Jewish because of how you lived. Our religion is organized. Organized means to say we're all doing the same thing. And if you don't keep Yiddishkeit, you're still a Jew. You're, you're a, a misbehaving, you're a non-conforming, you're a bad Jew in quotes, but you're Jewish. Because that's one of the things the organization gives. It establishes borders that are inclusive. Now, I, I have a lecture on organized religion, which I'm not going to give you now. It's a, it's a discussion. Right? why it's necessary to have organized religion. And the, the essence of it is because the whole idea of religion is that God comes first and you come second, and not the other way. And in personal religion, you're inventing your God. You're defining Him. 
when the God is defined from outside of you, you're bound by laws that are imposed upon you, then God is effective. That's the idea of organization. Rules that were made, not today, not by me, not by you, that we all have to conform to because these rules come from God. In other words, they come before us. But the question that our sikha revolves around is what do we have in common with the others? Nothing. Everything they did was so personal. Everything that we do is so predetermined. And I don't mean it in the, in the sense that we don't care about it. No, we do care. and we, we are sincere and we're dedicated and we're, we're all the good things. But it's still a fact that the Yiddishkeit we practice is very different than the Yiddishkeit they practiced for many, many reasons. And one of them is that we are conforming to rules set down by the Eivishter as opposed to having a personal relationship with the Eivishter. In this sikh, the Rebbe makes mention of the fact that we're on a much higher level than the others in our ability to bring God into the world. But the basic issue is the one I mentioned. Okay? So the question then becomes, turn to page 76. What's going to happen now, girls, is I will read, select parts of the sikh. Which ones? What I underlined. Which means if you, if you have the place and you don't lose it, you should be with me. I have a question, says the Rebbe. It's a lesson. It's an instruction of behavior also for Jews. Now the Taylor has already been given. And the question therefore becomes, what is the hero? What can we possibly learn? From the the lengthy story of our ancestors' lives. In Tehidah and in Tehidah both in the Tanakh, in the scripture, as well as in the oral Tehidah. And more elaborately, and writings. And the question is, There is nothing common about their service of God Almighty and ours. They had a personal religion which was very spiritual, and we have an organized religion which is so behaviorally centric. What to our lives and our service of Hashem have come in with theirs and the reason it's a question is because if we have nothing in common with the others the story of their lives should not be in the Torah maybe interesting maybe historical maybe motivating but Torah means that the Torah has to teach me a practical lesson how was the Torah teach me a practical lesson if the lesson is that whatever they did we shouldn't do it's a very good question and the Rebbe continues he explains as das was the Torah is mighty. When the Torah tells us the story of the Sipur Hamasoyes, the journeys of the Yavis, the Chafilas Abelas, the digging of wells, Ushad Hamikim for the Yavis, all the rest of things happen to the Yavis. Kulam Boim Lamadil Asim. They teach the future. This is a very very interesting Ramban. And actually, when I learned that Ramban, I made a list of all the examples that Ramban brings. The Medrash says Maisa Yavis Simon Laban. What happened to the Yavis is a sign for the children. And the Ramban interprets it the following way. When a person experiences a prophecy, what does he see? I have no idea, right? Prophecy is a vision. It's an image, a picture. But it's a vision with a force, with a power, with a certainty that you know is coming from HaKadosh Baruch. Fine. So a Navi has a vision, the vision tells him God is giving him a message, right? But how does he interpret that vision? How does he know what the message means? He sees an image, he sees a vision, he sees a film, he sees a movie. He sees an event. How does he know how to translate that vision into real life? You know, the answer is, from precedent. He sees a vision and then he says, where did I see that vision before? And the answer is, in the stories of the Torah. 
When a prophet comes along and says there's going to be a hurricane, God didn't come and tell him there's going to be a hurricane. He saw a vision, which is reminiscent of one of the stories in the Tanakh, and he put two and two together and understand that this is the divine message. So the Ramban says something very interesting about Bereshus. We need the book of Genesis, we need Sefer Bereshus, not because of the material that it gives us per se, but because this, these stories that happened in ancient times are recorded for posterity so that any prophet at any time will come along and say, I had this vision, he'll know how to be able to read it. So is that a lesson in life or not a lesson in life? Here's my question to you. The idea that the stories of Genesis are recorded because the stories of Bereshus create form that will allow later prophets to figure out God's messages. Is that a good enough reason for Bereshus or not a good enough reason for Bereshus? The Rebbe says it's not good enough. Page 76, second column of the line, says the Rebbe, it's not a satisfactory reason. The Rebbe says, I don't like what the Rabban is saying. Since these stories, what the Rebbe did, is it's written in the Torah, says the Rebbe, is eternal, and its lessons are eternal. Muzmen zogn, we must say, as dos, is not not a hero or the rachana canal. It's not just an informing and a preparation. Nor eich a hero nitzchi is prepared. It's an actual lesson in the ravedel la'achri matantelin ha'af tesev hashem after matantelin. In other words, when a prophet sees a vision and he interprets it based on his precedence in the Torah, that's not serving Hashem. That's interpreting Hashem's words. Serving Hashem means learning Torah and doing mitzvahs. How is the book of Reishis presence? as a, uh, a manual for interpreting prophecy, a hayroi in life. How is it teaching me and you and all of us to serve the Ebishter? So the Rebbe says that Amban's explanation is a good explanation, but it's not a sufficient explanation. Bereshis should be written, God should have given us a code book for prophets. He put it into the Torah. If he put it into the Torah, it's a hayroi v'chaim, it's a lesson. Prophets figuring out the meaning of God's messages is not a lesson in life, it's a message, a lesson to a prophet. Why is it in the Torah? That's the question. And the Rebbe goes on to say in the next paragraph, The same question can be asked about our exile in Egypt, which is discussed at length at the end of Sefer Bereshis, Vayeshev, Miketz, Vayigash, Vayechish, Moiz, Vayeraboi. Vos is the hero from Golos, from them. What's the lesson from the fact? That you have Sipur HaTeter, the Teter tells the story, Vayegin Golos, Mitzayim, about a slavery in Egypt. For all the Jewish people, why do I have to know that 3,000 or 300 and some years ago Jewish people were in Egypt? What does it do with me? So the Rebbe's proposal is take the whole Bereshis and the first three or four pages of Shmois and just cut them off. They're not Taita. They're interpretation of prophecy. I don't know what it is, but they're not Taita. What's the lesson in Taita for us in our lives? This is the question. And as I said to you before, it's a good question. What's the answer? So the Rebbe continues on page 77. The explanation of how these stories are not just nice stories and maybe even relevant in interpreting prophecy, but are in fact lessons in life for us is as follows. And the Rebbe explains. The Chiluk Sabishan Avedas Avis on Avedas Bnei Yisrael, Ma'achrei Matantele Bekiyam Hatayru Mitzvah, the difference between how our ancestors served God Almighty. And what we do today, as we learn Teda and do mitzvahs in this life, is bishtayim. has two aspects. There's two ways what we do is different than what they did. Hain, first of all, mitzadam gilim umayla, what God gives us reciprocally for what we do. And the difference would be, 
But by the Ovis, when Hashem, so to speak, rewarded the Ovis with a divine revelation for their service, is their Giloy, the entire revelation was defined and limited through their efforts. In other words, they created their own reward. That's haste. In other words, they were elevated and purified. They became vessels to the godly light that shone through their service. In other words, they did good things and they got good things in return. But the good they got in return was directly proportional to the good they did. They earned their spiritual revelation and they got what they deserved. Accordingly, from their end, they earned what they deserved. But from God's end, it was also the same thing. Since they received a light. Which is measured, proportionate to the service of creation. The light which they received in an Eifin Goli in a revealed way. Now if you look at these two paragraphs, you'll see that the word Goli is italicized. That's the key word. They got what they deserved, but what they deserved they got. That means, in other words, even if we're going to say on the one hand that the godly revelation they received was limited, but the godly revelation was in fact revealed. They perceived it and experienced it and internalized it. When we serve Hashem... So, first of all, there's nit by kolechad ve'echad. Not each one of us is in a condition of azahiz dachachos is such a state of refinement and ascent. Vi by the Ovis, as was the case by the Ovis, by the patriarchs. V'zeizan given amer kavat zolokos, that we're a chariot for godliness. So, we may not deserve the godliness we receive, but the godliness we receive is a reflection of the truth of teiru mitzvahs. Well, the idach, on the other hand, ve'adorzeya teiru mitzvahs, when we serve Hashem, after Matan Teirah, we bring down a light, was his hecher from Velt, altogether above the world, and of course, altogether above the people serving Hashem, and therefore, it's not so revealed. So the key issue is revelation. The Ovis got less, but they got it more. We got, we get much, much more, but we don't get it as much. A yid could serve Hashem, learn Teirah, do mitzvahs, and not experience any divine revelation. And that's the real difference between us and the Ovis in the human experience way, they experience godliness, we have godliness and don't experience it. So the question becomes, is there anything we could do to affect that this incredibly high level of godliness, which is ours, shouldn't only be ours in some kind of a subliminal way, but it should be revealed and experienced by us. And this is what the Rebbe now continues and says in the next paragraph, which is the bottom of, of page 77. So the Rebbe says, we living today, in order for us, for us not just to have the gift of the Teda, but to experience the gift of the Teda. I circle the word Gilui, that's the key word. And of course, it's much higher than the world. It is in fact higher and more than the others got. It doesn't happen by magic, we have to work. Work not just a learning day and doing mitzvahs, work but in being people, being mentioned. Work on ourselves, make ourselves vessels. But durach dam, that only when we make ourselves vessel, that uvgeton, we affect, look at the next three words, agilui, that the deep connection between man and God that forms the Yiddishkeit should be experienced. This is the key. The obvious were 
very personally connected to God. We are much, much more connected to God, but formally, and we need to personalize that. We need to make that the fact that we were given the Torah as a gift, and as such we're tapping into what we call euphemistically Atmos and the others could not, which are very nice things. But we also want it to be real. Real means we should be kalim for this ayat and we should feel this ayat. Ah. For that, it's not enough to learn Tayyid and do mitzvahs. You need to model yourself after everyone. You need to model yourself after Sora. You need to model yourself after Yitzchak and Rivka and Yankiv and Esav. Yankiv, I'm sorry, and Leah. Terrible pun. Right. Uh, page 78. I meant Freudian slip, yes. Midem is moving. Now we understand. Why the story, the life and times of Avram and the rest of the Yavas in Kiyam, Ateru, Mitzvah, in their Yiddishkeit, which was so different than ours, is a chelik for Teda. It's a part of our Teda. Why is it a part of our Teda? Because it is a It's an eternal lesson to all of us in Allah's manam in all times. Nobody said that because our religion is organized, it shouldn't be personal. Forget, it would be terrible if it was only organized. It wouldn't be religion. It would be culture. And dying culture. Meaningless culture. Our religion must be personal, but we personally tap into an order which came from heaven. The order that came from heaven, that's Matantelu. The personalization, that's the story of Genesis. That's the story of Abraham and Sarah, Yitzchak and Rivka, Yankim, Leia and Rachel and so forth. So that the revelation for Matantelu, so this Galev and his Achadven, shouldn't only be something which we believe, but something that at least to some degree we experience. Midem Yidden with the individual Jew, who studying Tehid and doing the mitzvahs, requires a preparation for personal work. Says the Rebbe You know why Avram's written in the Chumash? Because you have so much to learn from him. What? How to work hard? How to be dedicated? How to be Ma'is and Nefesh? How to teach the world about the Abish? How to not think about yourself? How to use your mind not to be a skeptic? But to search and search and search until you find the truth. You have to learn that from Avraham Yeah, but I'm higher than Avraham Avinu. Yeah, I do. I know you are higher than Avraham Avinu. But you're sitting on scaffolding. There's a lot of empty space. The human being is not caught up to the gifts that God gave. To make it complete, to fill in, that you should not just be a Jew because God gave you a Torah and gave you a mitzvah, but because you're a human being, you have to go back to the Chumash and learn the lessons of our ancestors who created their relationship with Hashem and you create your own. But not chas v'shalom like you hear in some circles I only want a personal relationship with God I don't want a formal relationship with God. You fuse the two. In addition to learning Tate and doing mitzvahs personalize your relationship with Hashem so you'll have the higher relationship and at the same time the relationship will be more revealed. This, says the Rebbe, is the reason Genesis is written in the Chumash. Because we're learning from the others how to fuse our godly identity with our human identity. They represent the human identity. We represent the godly identity. In other words, the gifts from God. And the, the lesson is so wonderful, so real, so important. And I'm reading the next paragraph, please. Just like when we talk about the whole history of mankind. We say what? In order to bring down into the world to bring into this world godliness which is more than the world which is what Teireh is 
Hotfriel first. There needed to be an Avraham and a Yitzchak and a Yankiv and a Sada and a Rivka and a Rachel and a Leah who brought into the world godliness that the world was able to receive. It was limited, yes? Gedav zayn dishleimus in der Avedu bitl von Avroim mitadatma. There needed to be a perfect and a whole and a peaceful service to God Almighty of creations, of human beings serving God as best as they could according to their own limitations. Und durch dem mamshach zayn and only afterwards did we bring down Dem Eid versus Shaykh of Erech Abriah. We brought down a light which was relative to the creation. Next paragraph, I'm sorry, three lives end of the paragraph. Un Erech Denoch, and only after there was obvious, is Nimshach Yavad Nebriah and Eid was Hechaf Avot. Why didn't Hashem give the Tayyarit Avram? The answer is first, humanity had to go as far as they could. To use my illusion, first, Job had to be perfected. After Job was perfected, Job turned into Jew. Avraham, Yitzchak, and Yankee represent that human search for God. We represent the reward for all that effort. But the Rebbe says, all of us understand that there had to be this historical evolution. So we read in the next paragraph, This is a message for each one of us in our own personal relationship with Shekhar we are all doing mitzvahs and reaching atmos, as we love to say it, yes? Skip to parenthesis. But, I reach atmos, and atmos is sleeping comfortably, and I'm sleeping comfortably. In order that zolnim nizgalet should be revealed, unnisachet ven, and become one, midem omad Allah metedim with the person, darf bayem friyazayin, there must first be shleimus ha'avayda, wholeness and a perfection and service. Un bitl v'sichach v'sayin mitzvah, 78 second column at the top, please. A bit of one's form through his own efforts. First of all, he's able to experience godliness which is limited to creation. And then ultimately, he can get the godliness which is higher than the creation. So the message is very, very clear. We're all Jews. We're all practicing the mitzvahs. But we need to be individuals. Who do we learn that from the others? What does an individual mean? I want a relationship with Hashem which is mine, reasonable, sensible, and my own effort. Then I can transcend to bring into my experience and my feeling even a relationship which is beyond that. If you look on page 79, there are two underlines in 79. I want you to read the second one, not the first one. Is Abed, however, even though Matan Tede is so high, the Amshach in Eifafen Helm, and Hashem gave us a Tede, He gave us Himself. But it's hidden. In order for this very powerful relationship with Hashem to be revealed, there first must be a complete ascent, raising himself up. In and purifying his form. becoming one with the connected to the world, the lower level, and only then can you have the higher level. It's as if you would say, in other words, before you can practice 613 mitzvahs, you have to have down pat the seven mitzvahs of Neah. First be a mensch, then be a yid. Now, of course, this is tricky, because we don't do that. You have to be a yid. But you have to appreciate that being a yid is like living in the hundredth level of a building, and beneath you there's empty space. you got to fill it in, and that's what the others teach us. It's a wonderful lesson. And on page 80, the rabbi adds several points. And one of them is why we have to have in the tale of the story of our exile. 
We just explained the need for Abraham and Sarah, Yitzchak and Rivka, Yankev and their Shvatim and their wives. But why Gauls Mitzrayim? Page 81, please. It's not enough to learn, imitate from the others. There's something else. What is that? Next paragraph, please. Since the Teir, as was given at Matan Teir, is Hechel, the Gavif, and the Beers, Hyde, and the Krishna altogether. It's not sufficient. The fact that a creation achieved to his own efforts to his own personal perfection he becomes one with he can't compare creation to a creator and therefore you're expected to do more than what others did and the Rebbe says this is why you have to have Golos Mitzrayim Second column, page eight, eighty-one. What happened when we went into Egypt? We suffered, we toiled, we worked like slaves, right? Says that, but that becomes a metaphor for the idea of a person going past himself. The avodah v'yegivas is the work and effort that is heipach tivi or against the nature and habit of a person. Only when a person works heipach in breaking his nature. The person becomes totally bottled to Hashem, as an imzal ten in his galavar, and to fully reveal in that person. What is the Rebbe saying here? Avram was a tzaddik; he served Hashem. Yitzchak was a tzaddik; he served Hashem. Yankov was a tzaddik. We also have to serve Hashem like they did, but we're expected to do more. In addition to serving Hashem like they did, we're expected to be tapping into the infinite. How do you tap into the infinite? In one sentence, you get over yourself. The others didn't get over themselves. They greatened themselves. What event in history represents getting past yourself? Golos Mitzrayim. In Egypt, we lost our identity as us. We became the nation of God. So, the Aves and the Imahis teach us, be a human being in your Judaism, so that the Jew is in the lowest levels of your existence and you can experience it consciously. And Golos Mitzrayim thinks, now you need to go past that limitation and only then you can get to the Abish's Tayyah. Abish's infinity. Eve was a guy. He practiced Shavra Mitzvah B'nai Neyach, and according to Halacha, it's brought in Zayir also, there's a portion of the world to come. How is he connected to all Jewish life? What I tried to say is that Avraham Avinu was Eve. He was Eve. He was one of many people who looked for the truth. And he was chosen by God to be the father of his nation because he did it the best. And we need to learn from Avraham Avinu to also be an Eve. Not only to be an Eve, but to also be an Eve. You understand? Okay. Golos Mitzrayim means doing unnatural things. Breaking yourself and doing unnatural things. The Rebbe is saying, when Hashem put us into Mitzrayim, the reason for breaking us and getting us to do unnatural things was to get past ourselves. So we're not serving Hashem based on who we are, but based on the Ebsht. This is another lesson we need to learn. Okay? We're good?
Shalom.